MNJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politti and Rutgers insiders Brian Fonseca and James Crash. Let's start shopping. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Rant, March Madness edition of the Rant. Hey, Brian Fonseca. Now, introduction official. Congratulations. Thanks to Keith Norton uh, for, for doing that recording. And if you recognize his voice, you either know him as a Rutgers guy or as one of the nation's finest voiceover guys out there. Thanks again, Norts, for that. How does it feel, Fonseca? You are now officially introduced in the introduction. Congratulations. It feels great. Got a little extra pep in my step this morning, just knowing yeah. that was going to happen. So uh... You should. should. Cratch has an extra step in it, pep in his step. He made it back from Nebraska successfully after some travel woes. We're going to hear about his, uh, <laughs> his, his journey. Every time Cratch goes to the heartland, something happens, I think. Like the Big Ten has been really good for, for Cratch's exposure to bad things in the rest of the world. How you doing, Cratch? I'm excellent. I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm back, refreshed, rejuvenated, ready to roll. Great. All right. Well, we've got uh, so much to talk about. Uh, while you were out in Nebraska, Fonseca and I were in at Jersey Mike's Arena for another uh, <laughs> blood pressure inducing uh, basketball victory over Penn State. <clears throat> we got a lot to talk about with that. Senior night, a lot of emotion in the building. But for me, Brian, and tell me if you agree with this, for me, the most remarkable thing to happen in the past few days is this double buy in the Big Ten tournament? I mean, if you were to, if you were to tell me in February that this team would be four ranked teams, I'd be skeptical. If you were to tell me they'd be back on the NCAA bubble, I would be well. I would say okay, they have the talent to be there. But if you were to tell me they were going to get a double buy in the Big Ten tournament, uh, along with three powerhouse programs that they've beaten already, I'm mean, it's 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 pretty incredible. And I got in the big picture, a significant accomplishment for this program. Yeah. I mean, I would have been surprised if you told me last week when they lost to Wisconsin, uh, Bart Tordovic does like uh, simulations every, every day of like conference odds. And Rutgers had a 1.1 chance to get a top four seed. They needed so many things to go their way, which first of all, they needed to win on the road at Indiana, which was not easy. They needed a last second shot to win that game. They needed to win against Penn state at home in the most anticipated senior day of all time, which they almost didn't. They almost lost that game in the most Rutgers fashion possible. And then they needed a bunch of results to go their way because they needed uh, Michigan to beat Ohio State on the road without Hunter Dickinson, which they did. And then they needed Illinois to beat Iowa while they were down 15. And Iowa's the hottest team in the Big Ten and one of the hottest teams in the country. And they come back, win that game, win the Big Ten title. So everything came up Rutgers on Sunday in the last week or so. And like you said, given the fact of where this team was at the start of February, where an NCAA tournament bid was, you know, an insane thought and a top half of the Big Ten finish was insane. Uh, a top four, historic top four bid is, uh, top four finish is uh, incredible. And Cratch, I was thinking about this just historically, to put it in the broader perspective of Rutgers sports. The number of times that I would go to the Big, T- Big East tournament and I would, my friends would say, hey, we're going to see you in, in New York. And I'm like, I'll, I'll be gone by the time you get here. And then there were a couple of years, Scratch, a couple of years where they forget not like, getting there, you know, leaving by Wednesday when they didn't get there at all. I mean, they didn't, qual- when they, they didn't qualify for the Big East tournament, you know, it, it is really a, a kind of a major step for this team to walk into Indianapolis on Friday, like the like the big teams do, you know, right into the quarterfinals. Uh, another cool step, and it sets up what should be a pretty cool uh, weekend in Indianapolis. Remember a couple of years ago in the Garden when they got to the quarterfinals and people literally acted like. <laughs> They, had, right. they were going to have a parade down Easton Avenue yes. when they we come back. One shining Wednesday. Yes, I remember They're going to hang a banner. Yeah. I mean, you know, or if, like, forget the, like, when Rutgers didn't finish in the bottom of the big, like, wasn't the 14th seed for the first time. Like, they were still in the, 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 the first four, but they were, like, the 12th seed. And it was like, right. oh, my goodness, we have arrived. So, no, it, it's a tremendous thing. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, 12 and 8 in the Big Ten, that's the yeah. best finish in school history by two games, I believe. I think they only went 10 and 10. Um, Fonseca yeah. will, will fact check me in real time on this. But I think they've only been 10 and 10 at best. Yeah, I, it's just a, a tremendous accomplishment for them. I don't know if they're in for sure. I mean, I feel like they should be in. I feel like they're one of the 64 best teams in America. But you've got this net ranking tied to their neck like an anchor. And <laughs> you have a bunch of other stuff going on nationally. But this is a tremendous story. Tremendous co- Maybe Steve Peichel's best coaching job yet. 
I think by far, because, you know, I'll be honest with you. I thought early January, this was a team that just wasn't tough enough to get over the hump that they just, they seemed sort of checked out in many ways that they were out of gas and that they were just going to go through the motions. And it was this whole run as great as it's been. And, and we would look back on it still and think it was a great run, but it was going to have kind of this thud ending. Uh, they turned it around completely and it's, it's not going to have a thud ending. Really quick, right. and next quarter, quarter, uh, they won 11, they went 11, 9 in 2019, 20, which, uh, so they beat that makes the interesting debate of whether this is the best team Pike has had or not more active, uh, but to, to be the Stokes, uh, yes, this is they, their best finish by one game. And the toughness factor cries you're talking about. I mean, yeah, to, I mean, both those games, the way they won, the, you know, for, to, to win on that last second, to blow a five point lead after what was, you know, I mean, I feel bad for Paul Mulcahy. That was, that was, that was certainly had to be called a, a, as a flagrant two. Uh, the scenario, as soon as it happened out there in Bloomington, you're like, all right, well, they're, they're going to tie this game. And they did for Ron to go back down the court and just hit his second incredible three-pointer at the mother. And then for the way it unfolded in, in, uh, in Piscataway, senior night, just the, the, everything crumbling around this team, Brian, at that time, you're like, you know, I, I thought they had lost that game. I really did. I was surprised, you know, that they were able to hang on to turn over the ball on this on this inbounds play that was just doomed from the moment that came out of the came out of the huddle. Uh, Penn State was panicked, couldn't get off a good shot. But at the same time, there's Geo Baker, of course, with his hand up, you know, in the guy's face to to force that bad shot. So I mean, yeah, the the toughness we've seen from this team uh, the last couple of weeks has, has been impressive. Yeah, I mean, there's something that they do in these last weeks of the regular season that they should really bottle up and try to do in November, December, and January because they always seem to come up big in those moments. Uh, it just felt right, right? You know, looking back on it, it just felt right to this team. They, there was no way they could have just won this game by 30 points. They had to win this way. It just felt the perfect encapsulation of all these guys did, everything these guys did and the way they did it. Uh, yeah, I mean – the Indiana game, I was there, obviously. I When Parker Stewart hits that shot and the place goes bonkers, it's going insane, and I'm thinking this team is going to get lose by 30 points in overtime. Like, it's over. And then Ron Harper Jr., as calm as you could be, takes those four dribbles, rocks the baby to the fifth dribble, throws out that shot. And when he threw up that shot, it just – from my, where I was standing, I was, like, like directly in line with the shot. It looked, it looked good. And then you could hear it. You could hear a pin drop, and <laughs> you just hear Brandon Gordon scream, yes, at the bottom, at, at backcourt side. It was uh, an incredible moment. I think every Rutgers fan would have overdosed on Sean Freud if they were sitting in Assembly Hall and just heard everything that, that happened in that moment. Then he does the big ball celebration. I've checked it with the FCC. I can say that in the podcast. Uh, and the bow. The, it was encapsulated off with the exaggerated little bow. I don't know. I loved it. I know fan, some fans who, who are probably older than me were like, ah, oh, that's just not the way to treat that. That's, that's not respecting the game. But I just thought it was, I thought it was perfect. I thought it was what, what Ron has brought to this program and <clears throat> that, that layer of confidence, the onions, the, Hey, why not? Why can't we beat you? And I think that's what that's, you know, that's the thing that the entire athletic department has been missing for a long time. He's brought it in spades for this team. Um, and I think it, we're, I think, it, you know, I think it's come, it rubs off on every, Everybody. So that was impressive. All right. Of course, though, because we can't have nice things. Rutgers wakes up on Monday morning. You know, I'm sure every fan in the nation, every fan in Piscataway would, would have got on to the uh, net rankings and, and hope, well, let's see how we improved. And Rutgers went from 76 to 76. It's like, whoops, you know. If, so if you thought this was not going to be some drama on the bubble, uh, of course, there's going to be drama. Uh, take take us through it, Fonseca. Do you think that? Do you think that barring a when we'll talk about the doomsday scenario in a minute, barring doomsday in Indianapolis, is this team definitely in, or are we still sweating it? If there's any team that's going to break like the history of the net, which is not that old, it's going to be this team, right? Like, I think barring them getting blown out by 50 points by Iowa losing by double digits to Northwestern or losing to the hottest team in the Big Ten, your fighting Hoiberg's, your Nebraska Cornhuskers, unless they lose that game. uh, There's really no – they're, they're going to make the, the tournament. I think they're, uh, the, they will make the exception in the net. Like, if they finish 76 in the net, that's only a spot lower than St. John's was in 2019. I think they'll make an exception for that. Uh, now, they didn't move up in the net because they only beat Penn State, which is a quad three opponent and a bad team, by one point. If you beat them by the 15 points you were ahead, maybe you'd move up. And also, one of your best wins on the road, Wisconsin, loses to, again, the hottest team in the Big Ten, your fighting Cornhuskers, your Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, so yeah. a lot of that factors in. But to answer your question, barring an absolute, just a, a disastrous showing in Indianapolis, 
they're going to, I think they're going to make the tournament. I will say this, Crash, and tell me if you agree. What, what worries me, though, as, as from the Rutgers perspective, is that if you give that selection committee a reason to keep you out, I mean, that's, that's, all, that's all they need. They only need one reason. And, and the reason is the schedule, the non-conference, they can say non-conference schedule, they can say road winning, only 4-9 on roads, neutral. And then you can say, well, look, look the net 76. And, and you know, we, you know there's, there's, there's different metrics out there that would make it easy for them to knock them out, right? Of course. There's always, I mean, I think look, this way, Brad Wachtel, local bracketologist, has been spot on for years now. He's got Rutgers in his last eight in pool. He's got them like second to last in terms of confidence being in the pool. Then that's a problem. And I think this is very, you know, I know fans don't want to dwell on a negative, but Brian's right. You know, we'll get to the Nebraska situation in a second. Uh, by the way, incredible run for the Cornhuskers because they've been disastrous under Hoiberg. Then it comes out that Bill Moose, the gift, the former AD, the gift that keeps on giving, gave Hoiberg an extension inexplicably that no one knew about. It was like a secret extension. Oh, by the way, we gave this guy who's horrible another year. And then Trev Alberts, his second coach, where it's like, he's going to come back next year, but we're going to completely rework his salary. So basically we can fire him in a year. And the programs responded well. So kudos to them. But no, I mean, I I think there's a – I think Rutgers will get in, but I could also see us having a very deflating selection Sunday. And then people ask the questions of, okay – we don't know how exactly the net is computed, but we know what's important to the net. Why did they not build a schedule to cater to the net? Which I think is a totally fair question now and certainly will be if they don't get in. All right, let's, let's dive into the Nebraska, the Nebraska scenario, as we're calling it. Uh, so the, the, the seeds come out just to set the scene here for, for the, you know, we find out Rutgers is the four seed and they're, and they're double by playing them Friday. And then Ponseco ignites the flames of the Rutgers fan base, which is not hard to do, but he did it extremely well by pointing out, by pointing out that if Nebraska beats Northwestern and then beats Iowa and then gets to Friday, look, you, you, you see where I'm going with the 18 ifs here, gets to Friday, then, then suddenly the red hot corn huskers are the thing, the most Rutgers thing ever would come in, knock Rutgers off in Indiana. And that would be how they get knocked out of the tournament. I was I was giving him grief on that we were texting back and forth about this. I think I think it's insane. I'm gonna let you go first, Brian. Why this is why this is something that should keep the Nebraska scenario that should keep people up, you know, dreaming of of having nightmares about corn and the cob here. Why, why is this why is this something to worry about? I'll preface this by saying that I think I agree with you. They're probably not going to even play Nebraska, let alone lose to Nebraska. And you're not the only one that gave me grief. I mean, I was a message board star for a night, and my Twitter (laughs) mentions and all that stuff was on fire. Understandable. I get it. But it's like you and everyone else have not been watching the same team I have. Were you guys not there in November when they lost games to Lafayette, when they blew a 17-point lead to UMass? Were you not there when they lost to four of the five worst teams in the Big Ten? When they almost lost at Nebraska, when they were playing like doo-doo, and were you, I, I hate to poop on the parade here. Sorry with, for all these you know references, but I mean, this is Rutgers we're talking about. They almost lost on Senior Day, the most anticipated Senior Day in program history, to a bad Penn State team. They almost blew a 15-point lead, and Nebraska. I'll say it again, is the hottest team oh, in the Big Ten. They I don't won. know how you became this guy. The Lincoln, the Lincoln Star News should be calling you up to hire you for this. This is incredible. But they won three good. road games in the last three games of the season. They won at Chamber Ohio State, which Rutgers has never done. Rutgers has never won at Ohio State. Well, Nebraska <laughs> went there and beat them. Then they won at Penn State, where Rutgers lost by double digits. They won at Wisconsin on a day where Wisconsin could clinch. A, an outright Big Ten title. They are smoking hot. They're going to beat Northwestern because Northwestern stinks. They're going to okay. beat Iowa because Iowa is their biggest rival and they got to show who has the You're best board in the Big Ten. And they're going to maybe, I mean, it's possible, in my defense, it is possible. I'm not going to say they're going to beat Rutgers because I just started this rant by saying that they're not even going to play Rutgers. But if that happens, I would love to be in the room with every Rutgers fan who told me that I'm crazy for this because they would be sweating so many bullets you would not believe. So right. I, it's possible. There you go. I'm, I'm just going to – the flip side of this, the flip side of this is that 
in nor in normal times with normal teams that get a double bye, if a 14 seed upsets the five seed, it is a great thing because you're playing an inferior team that's now playing its third straight game with a chance to get into the semifinals. So I would say that Nebraska winning that game, you're not thinking about losing to Nebraska. You're thinking about winning the tournament at that point. You know, that's like the best case scenario. You don't have to play. The, the odds have Iowa as the second best team to win this thing. You don't have to play them. You have a, have a better chance to get to the semis and pull up the upset, which is what four seeds should be thinking about doing, not thinking about, oh, my God, we're going to lose to the four. Teams, in the, teams on Friday don't look at teams on Wednesday. Cratch, who's right? You, you break the tie. I think you're both right. Oh, boy. You're okay. absolutely right. Like, Rutgers should not be worrying with itself about Nebraska. But f- on the other hand, this is, and this is an issue. This is a, a big picture issue, okay? Brian is a Rutgers beat reporter who covers the men's basketball team that is trying to get in the NCAA tournament. It is his job to inform the fans about the situation. And in this situation, this is the scenario. If Nebraska were to win two games and beat Rutgers in the quarterfinals, Rutgers would be effed, okay? That's the truth. I know fans don't want to hear it. No one wants to hear what they don't want to hear. But it's Brian's job to inform the folks about what's going on, and that's the situation. All right. Good situation. Good stuff. It'll be fun to watch. We'll see what happens. We'll roll in on Thursday, and we'll have the answer by the time that Fonseca and I – are getting our first shrimp cocktail. Uh, that'll be fun. All right. Uh, hey, let's do some true or false, guys. Let's dive right in. We got a lot of good topics here, and we'll do this good, good transition. You guys know the rules. Here we go. True or false? Ron Harper Jr. has a bigger Rutgers legacy than Geo Baker. Fonseca, true or false? False. Oh, Gratch, true or false? False. All right, true or false? Don't be stupid. Geo Baker has a bigger legacy than Ron Harper Jr. Fonseca. True. True. Cratch? True. True. In Rutgers history, Ron Harper Jr. will go down as a better player than Geo Baker. True or false? True. Fonseca? True. Cratch? True. Yeah, I think this is this is the debate. Both things can be true. Gio can have a bigger legacy, and Ron will be remembered as a better player. That's that's absolutely. I agree with both of you on that. All right, true or false? Book your hotels now. Rutgers is heading to Dayton. Fonseca, true or false? True. Gratch. I'm gonna say false. All right. Yeah, I I feel like I feel that you might be right on that one as well. We'll discuss that in a minute. Uh, true or false? Dayton would actually be good news for the Scarlet Knights. Fonseca, can we make a case there? True or false? False. False. All right. Cratch? True. True. I'm with you, Cratch. True. And there's, there's, there's much history there about Dayton being a, a, a decent place to start. True or false? Bo Melton will get picked on the second day of the NFL draft after a wonderful combine performance. Fonseca, true or false? True. Cratch? Second round, third round? I'm going to say False. false. False just misses. I'm going to go false to man. Round, fourth round. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. It was pretty freaking impressive. Uh, true or false? Rutgers needs to find a different place for football recruits to sit at the rack. Fonseca. True or false? False. <laughs> Cratch. <laughs> It's just like like putting a landmine right in front of right in front of you before you walk before you leave for the first day of spring spring practice. It's like false. dropping a little hand could it fall? False. I, 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 I will be honest with you. Like I always figured that this discourse was coming, <laughs> and it was like, as sitting in, in in Nebraska at wrestling. I was like, oh, today's the day. Today is the day. Was all right. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> let's start there because uh, that is that is such a great scene. You walked into the rack jam packed, and there was you know the football recruits had a half the half of one third half of the bleach student section bleachers essentially in the in the in the, the far left side was roped off for recruits uh, and basketball fans, some basketball media, some people who, who work at Rutgers were a little. Uh, concerned by the number of seats that were were taken for recruits it became a little bit of a thing uh it was interesting i will say this because you know um 
you got to remember this is this is now a big selling card for Greg Schiano. You can look, hey, look, look at this excitement. You can come here. You can be part of this. It's, when he used to take recruits to the building, it was empty and it was just really like kind of like a drag to go watch Fred Hill Jr.'s teams lose or wherever it was at the time teams lose. Uh, you know, badly to to inferior opponent, but you know, I mean, this is this is part of it. This, he's got to recruit too. So, uh, but you weren't surprised, perhaps, when you heard that was that was brewing. No, not at all. And look, I, I get both sides of it. You know, I, I think that the bigger issue, I think, that makes this an issue that that didn't really make much sense, but go with me here, is that it's not so much the seats that are being given to the recruits and their families and the coaches and the Rutgers players who are hosting, you know, visiting recruits. I think it's the fact that they don't really necessarily file into the seats until the game is already underway. Right. I feel like if everyone was there at tip off, it would not be as big of a deal, but like, here's the thing, like where are you going to put them? Like the only you're, you're going to put the recruits in the best seats in the house that aren't generating you a lot of money. That's the yeah. student section That's it. at every school in America. Yep. yep. Very true. All right. Combine stuff. Uh, you, I mean, you got to be impressed with Bo Mel. I mean, he, he was a national story. Peter King talking about him in his column uh, after after Indianapolis. But also, Isaiah Pacheco had a great – he had a great combine too. You had two guys out there who I think significantly improved their their, their draft status. Um, what impressed you the most, Crash from afar? I know you weren't out there. We had uh, several other guys on, on scene. But what, what impressed you the most by what those guys did? I thought Pacheco's 40 time was huge for him because going into the draft, I thought even though he never really played special teams at Rutgers, I thought, okay, Pacheco is going to be a guy who goes to a place like new England in the seventh round. They're going to teach him how to play special teams and he's going to have a 12 year career like Matthew Slater's had. But now with that 40 time and his size, I think he's going to get a, a look at running back, you know, running the ball, especially that he's going to have, you know, I was thinking about this, both Bo and Isaiah obviously had the misfortune of playing on bad teams. I feel like Bo got the benefit of while he was an Ash recruit, Bo really didn't take off until Greg and Taekwon Underwood showed up on campus. So I think you can give Rutgers credit for developing this, this current staff for developing Bo. Pacheco's issue was never the coat. It was not for his development. The fact that he had no one to block for him. Like they couldn't fix that. So I'm intrigued to see now that he's got this 40 time and he's worked out well. He's got a great story. He's a great kid. What can he do when he gets to the next level? And he conceivably has an offensive line that can open holes for him. All right, the Dayton scenario, let's touch on that really quick. I think most bracketologists have them playing in the first four in Dayton. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a great – I mean, you play an extra game, so that's not a good thing. On the flip side of the coin, Fonseca, you're playing a team that you are, are pretty confident that you can beat – and then we've seen it. We've seen it happen. I mean, a bunch of times at the VCU, UCLA teams get out of this, out of Dayton and, and, and go pretty far in this thing. Right. But <clears throat> sorry. Right. But you're not, you're not in the tournament. Like you're in the tournament by name, you're in the field, but I mean, Dayton isn't, you know, they don't put Dayton into one shining moment here. There it, it's Dayton, right? Like if you could, you get into the field of 64 or, or the first round, you avoid that extra game. I mean, sure, it might be a quote-unquote easier game. You still have to win the game, right? Like, yeah. it's not a guarantee. Um, so, uh, they're going to end up in Dane, barring like a run to the championship game or like a, a massive blowout win over Iowa. Um, but if I'm Rutgers, I'd rather be in the field just just out of you know principle. Yeah, no, that I, I hear what you're saying. I guess I guess it's not as there. At least there are some evidence that if you get there, you can you could do hey, something with it. You win, but here's the other thing too. Rutgers goes to Dayton and wins. That's an extra TV unit for the Big Ten. Mm. So everyone's happy about a little extra cash, you know, in these times. No, but as you mentioned, teams go to Dayton and go to the Final Four. I mean, look at VCU. You know, I mean, I, I just my thing is that. If you go to Dayton and win a game, you've got momentum. And plus, Wachtel's – I mean, if we get Rutgers-UConn in the 5-12 game – Oh, my God. Oh, boy. 
please just sign this. Where do I sign in blood for that? That would just be, it would just be special. Danny Hurley, UConn, the whole thing. That'd just be great. Wow. Rutgers, UConn and Buffalo or something. Oh, oh, please. Let's make that Here's the thing too. Like, I don't want to get too ahead of of ourselves, but like if Rutgers somehow is relatively close to New Jersey for the first two games, Dayton or no Dayton, and then they're in the East regional, I'm going to start to think there's something going on here. Yep. That would be a great scenario. All right. That was fun. Good job, guys. And true or false, uh, we're going to dive. Let's get some insider questions here. A lot of uh, really good questions from our uh, NJ.com insiders. If you haven't subscribed to get our text message service and all that good stuff, you really should do it because uh, we're getting we're getting a lot of good stuff out there. All right. Um, Let's start with this question because it's come up a lot. I think we should address it before Selection Sunday so it, sound, so it doesn't sound like we're second-guessing. Matt and Randolph wants to know, it's the schedule, stupid. What is Coach Michael doing about upgrading the non-conference competition? If we played some good low majors or teams, middle-of-the-pack mid-majors, it's hard to believe. Seton Hall has a similar record and no one is questioning their resume. The schedule can't be much softer than this season and we'll have a much less continuity going to next season. Uh, okay, Fonseca, listen, I mean, this is it. This is, this is the topic. I guess, you know, the devil's advocate would say if you, if you just won those games, it wouldn't matter. But uh, playing Lafayette, there is absolutely in today's metrics, there's no there's no value in that game, none whatsoever. And even if they won that game, and let's say that last second shot doesn't go in, they still scored at point seven two seven points per possession against the three hundred thirty second ranked defense in the country. Like the metrics obviously count for the net, and that would hurt their net. It wouldn't. They'd probably be up a, couple, a few spots, but the fact they played so poorly against those teams is another thing, right? Like playing these teams is very High risk, low reward. Because unless you beat their like, – well, Iowa did this perfectly. They played a bunch of bad teams, but they just obliterated them. And that's why their net is so high, because they beat these teams by 30 points. Rutgers plays Lehigh. It's overtime. They lose to Lafayette, et cetera, et cetera, not to go through the whole thing. So, one, that what, the, what they should do to game the net is, one, if you're going to play low majors, play the best low majors in their league. Don't play Lafayette, which is the worst team in, or the second worst team in their, in their conference. Play like a real – like Wagner – Seton Hall played Wagner, which is one of the best teams in the NEC. Play a team like that. Uh, two, schedule more high major opponents. Apparently, USC is an opponent Rutgers is looking at in the conference next season. If you can land that, that's a great name. They're going to be high up in the metrics. That will be a good game. That Even if you lose that game, it's not going to hurt you that bad because they're good, right? Uh, just it's a matter of tweaking the schedule to what helps the net and play more road games. Give yourself more opportunity to win on the road because obviously they struggle to do that in the big 10. The more opportunities you have playing neutral site games, which is easier to win than road games, get into feast week, whatever you can to give yourself more opportunities to bolster the net and less opportunities to just crater it. Like this Lafayette loss that's been hanging over the season, like a dark cloud. Crash. My bigger problem with, with the schedule is not the schedule itself, but the schedule for this team. I mean, I think you went, you've got you've got to know what you've got. And if you if you really thought this was your best team ever, you should have scheduled like it was your best team ever. Next year, it's you know, obviously a transitional year where you're going to lose three three four very important players. I, I think that's that's what I look back on. Yeah, I think college basketball schedules are stupid in many ways. You know, I think it's one. I think it's stupid that you you front load all your non conference games and you have no flexibility once they're conference season begins you know like this is gonna sound crazy but if you're Rutgers at this point like you know what would have been really good like one of the like when they have like their big 10 bye week to like have the flexibility to like somehow schedule Duke and just go down there and like try to do you know try to add something to your resume look I don't I don't have a problem with playing Lehigh and Lafayette because there's history. I mean, it's ancient history, but there's history between the schools. They're close. And I think that when you're trying to engage a fan base and get people into the building, it's a lot easier to sell someone on going to watch. Not much easier, but it's better to watch Rutgers Lafayette than Rutgers North Carolina A&T or Rutgers San Diego because – they know Lafayette is. They maybe have. They maybe they went to school there. Or they have family that went there. It's there's a sense of regional, you know, community. But anyway, 
I think you're right. This is not a good schedule for this team. It has to change moving forward. I think there's got to be creative ways to do it. If they, you know, Brian said, if they don't want to go on play a bunch of road games, start playing at the Garden more. You know, get yourself into these December events at the Prudential Center. Get, you know, get those neutral courts in. But schedule people. I mean, there's absolutely no reason why Rutgers should not play Iona next year. Yeah, I mean, how awesome would it be for Rick Pitino to come into the building formerly known as the Rack, and then maybe they go to New Rochelle the year after that? Like, who cares? You know, like That'd be fun. I, and I just it kind of blows me away because, like, look, I, the schools in the uh, SEC they do this all the time. Like when I was in school, South Carolina played road games at like Elon, Charleston. Um, U.S. Upstate, like, that's just what they did. Like, they travel a little bit more. I'd love to see Rutgers, you know, say, hey, we'll go to Princeton. Hey, we'll go play NJIT, like, at NJIT. Like, let's have fun. 4,000-seat arena, whatever. I think that would help the team. And I also think a big issue, and I've seen fans mention this, is I wonder how seriously they take some of these early games. Oh, clearly. No, there's no question. Yeah. You know, maybe I think what Brian Hale about Iowa is right. They need to go in and be like, all right, we're going to beat Lehigh by 50 points. All right. Good answers on that. All right. Here's, here's some more NCAA tournament stuff. Arun from North Caldwell wants to know what do we have to do to get out of the playing game safely into the field of 64? And as a follow up question to that, uh, if we make it to the finals, or if we win the Big Ten tournament, where are we seated? Let's look at it that way. I mean, all right, let's break down all those three scenarios for the sake. If they win the first game, they beat Iowa, where are they seated? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> if they beat Iowa by a decent amount, they're probably in the field. Yeah, um, I would think so. Eleven, their eleven seed range, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think you're in the. I don't think you're in the. You're not playing in the eight nine game, but you're still. I mean, you're still. You're still. You're. You're not in date. I would think. That's what I'm saying. I don't know exactly the number of seed they yet. They would get out of Dayton. If right. they if they if they beat Iowa and they beat Illinois in the semifinals and make it to the, the championship game, they're gonna be a ten seed probably. And if they win the whole thing <laughs> they would know, have nine quad wins at that point, right? <laughs> you maybe be a, right, but the question is yeah. always like how much the committee takes into account the conference tournaments because the I'm not sure how how heavily weighted those games are. Yeah. But um I would have to think if Rutgers somehow wins the Big Ten tournament, they would probably sneak into like a, the 8-9 game, maybe. Yeah, uh, totally, yeah. Which I'm not sure is a great thing, frankly, because then you could end up in a bracket with Gonzaga and then get steamrolled in the second round. Right. Other but, than the fact that they would have won the Big Ten tournament, which would have been I, obviously I hear, bigger than anything would have happened the first weekend in March. I hear you. Team. I <laughs> yeah. think – I do think that – like this discussion kind of reveals how much I – focus on the NCAA tournament. I like the fact that they would win the big 10 tournament, like went completely over my head. Right. So I agree with you. Maybe you sacrifice a bad draw in the NCAA tournament for the fact that you bring silverware to Piscataway, which is an insane thing to even think about. Right. Considering what this team was a month ago, et cetera, et cetera. So fair point, but it's the, because this question was about the NCAA tournament. If you end up in the eight, nine game, that's a bad draw. But again, we're thinking way too far ahead because five, right. five minutes ago we were talking about them losing to Nebraska. And now we're talking about them winning the tournament. So let's <laughs> pump the brakes here. Uh, that's what makes good podcast filler. Come on. All right. Alex from Marlboro wants to know, uh, I, I know we're still on this season. Hopefully there's basketball play, but the seniors farewell against Penn State certainly sounded like a farewell. Uh, who on this team can step up next season and fill in those roles left behind by Gio, Ron, and Caleb? Cratch, you weren't there, but they, you know, everyone <laughs> set the scene. The players had told, like Ron Harper Jr. said, no, I do not want to talk to the crowd. I do not want to address the crowd. So they were kind of taken aback by, all right, so here's a microphone. They're walking out there. A lot of fans already left. They didn't realize this was going to happen. But it was really a nice moment when all five seniors talked to the crowd. These guys, if we hadn't said it enough in this podcast, are our collection of the best athletes I've ever dealt with in Piscataway. Uh, and I think that the tributes, what they said to the fans, really reflected that. It was like a nice message from all five of them. It shows how comfortable they are as public speakers in, in the spotlight, uh, how, how much this place means to them. And this is, and to a man, this is why a lot of them came back because they didn't get a chance to play in front of fans in their last season. Uh, so that sets the scene. Nice moment in Piscataway. But the flip side to that, if you held out any hope that Ron Harper Jr. was going to say, you know, I've got one more year, so I've got one more year of eligibility, or Caleb McConnell's to be like, you know, I could be the star of this team. They're gone. 
and they're, they're definitely this is it they're leaving i guess when you look at what's what's left behind are you confident that that this thing that that, that this program is in good shape yes i mean it's a, it's gonna come down to like who's in the portal who's not they keep the band together Last year, I think that when we stepped back in hindsight, they did a really good job of keeping everybody together. You know, I think that we talked about this, but before the season went in, I think most people said Jacob Young's going to go pro after this season, and Miles, his academic pursuits might take him back to the West Coast. I think the only surprise really was that Jacob Young found another school rather than play professionally. If they have Paul Mulcahy and, and Cliff, if Cliff is not in the NBA and Paul Mulcahy stays, I think they're okay. All right. Uh, I agree with you there. Fonseca, do you agree? No, I think they need uh, another scorer. I don't know whether they can get that out of what's, what's there. Again, it's impossible to, pro- to predict what's going to happen next season when you don't know who's going to be on the roster. Right. The way these things work right now is that anybody can leave at any time, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's, it's, this is a kind of a fruitless exercise. But they do need another scorer because Mulcahy can create his own shot and score or whatever, but he needs someone to alleviate that pressure. Obviously. Can I you, can you, uh, just re- interrupt you? Can, can that guy be Moet Mag, who didn't play this weekend? Can, can he be the, can he fill no, that? Is that guy on the roster? I would be you think so? Can, they, can a score – is there a score on the roster that could fill that role? I mean, Jane Jones, if he can uh, continue his development and, and become what a lot of people think he can be, assuming he stays, and assuming he can continue his development and become what people expect of him, he can fill that role. I need to see that first before I can predict right. they're going to score 10 points a game or whatever that people were predicting before the season. Uh, they might have to go into the portal. The, this season is a lot different than last year in that they don't have a lot of people returning, so there's going to be a lot of playing time and shots to sell. I know Pico doesn't want to be talking about shots. He wants to be talking about team concept. I get it. But you need guys to take shots, and you need guys who can hit shots to take shots. There's going to be a lot of people in the portal. There's going to be a lot of talent. This is a team that finished fourth in the Big Ten. They're probably going to make the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row. There is a lot to sell here. So if he can convince a talented kid who, again, it's always tough to predict how these transfer portal guys go. I think a lot of us are surprised at how many of them didn't work out that seemed awesome on paper, and then they weren't for various teams around the country. But if you can find the right fit, a good kid who can play ball and score for you, that is the ideal, and they need that desperately to not have a huge drop-off when Ron Harper Jr. doesn't come back. All right, uh, Christ, we've got some housekeeping questions from, from people. Uh, John from Mendham here wants to know, with spring in the air, how is the men's lacrosse team looking? And will they make the national tournament? I mean, I think they're, at last I saw, third. They, are, they are red hot, and I believe they're ranked number three in the country. So, yes, they should, but the caution with, with all across is it's a really small field. Uh, it's only 17 teams, and, you know, it's – yeah, you have the Ivies, you got the ACC. So uh, there hasn't been much margin for error in the past for the Scarlet Knights. But if they keep on this pace, they potentially win the Big Ten, and then they should be comfortably in the field. Pretty impressive, too, because they, I mean, they lost. Obviously, they lost, I know, at least their two best players and several others. I mean, that's good. Talk about using the transfer portal to your advantage. He, he's done a pretty good job with that. Um, and that's as much as I know about lacrosse. So let's move on. Uh, spring football. Starts tomorrow. Neil Quinn wants to know, what are some of the top storylines you'll be watching over the next few weeks? Cratch, you'll be there in a couple hours. Yes. Wimsat, Wimsat, Wimsat. Yes. Gavin Wimsat, Gavin Wimsat, (laughs) Gavin Wimsat. uh, Reworked offensive line, Gavin Wimsat, Gavin Wimsat. A couple of, I wrote, had a couple things this morning, a couple of intriguing ones. This defensive line group, quietly, looks really good on paper. You know, I mean, Muhammad Ture, Aaron Lewis, Keontae Hamilton, Ifan Maja, Mayan Ahanatu, some young guys coming up. Marquise Watson's inheriting a very good, very young room that after all the pass rush struggles in the past few years, I feel like this could become the strength of the defense in 2022. Uh, linebacker core, completely different. I counted up. Uh, Tyreek Maddox-Williams, Tyshawn Fogg, Drew Singleton, 03. 96 career starts between them. Tyreek wow. Powell has three. <laughs> so it's, Jeez. you know, it, that, that's a big difference there. Um, I, I'm curious about the, the receivers. You know, can Taj Harris be that guy who really gets the ball down the field? But this whole spring is about Wimsett. Bottom line is that's, that's all anyone cares about. That's all we're going to, you know, really be focusing on, I think, for the next couple weeks. 
It's interesting. There was another question that came in and, and uh, with uh, Raekwon O'Neal announcing he's transferring to UCLA. That would have been a, <laughs> another year where the basketball team's not playing well, where you're not focused on wrestling, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, that would have been the biggest story. We would have been writing, you know, 10 posts on that alone. Were you surprised that he went to UCLA? I mean, filing, filing the Miles Johnson path there, make a parallel? No, not at all. Because that's what the transfer portal is. You know, Raekwon was a solid starting. I mean, he was up and down. He was inconsistent, you know, but he basically was a starter for two years at a Big Ten program. Guy, I've, I've said a million times, guys go into the transfer portal for a reason. You know, it's like NFL free agency. Like, Raekwon was probably the best offensive lineman in the transfer portal when he hit it. You know, I mean, Rutgers fans downplayed Raekwon's impact, you know, whatever, who cares. If Raekwon O'Neal had played for UCLA and gone on the portal and come to Rutgers, fans, the message boards would have handed him, you know, <laughs> of course. the trophy, you know. Exactly. That's the thing. And he's a great kid. He's interested in art and everything, so I think UCLA is probably a perfect place for him. Don't be surprised. UCLA has eight home games next year. They bring a lot back. Chip Kelly's got, you know, seems to have things kind of going there finally. Don't be surprised if Raekwon O'Neal finds himself in the New Year's Six. You know, I, I don't think they're going to yeah. beat Utah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to beat Oregon. But 10-2, and Pac-12, in a, in a, that can kind of get you maybe in a good bowl game. And he's a guy, I think, that could benefit from a change of scenery. So I, I agree, I too. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, great job with the questions, everyone. Thank you uh, so much for, for adding, uh, adding content to our podcast. All right. So we've got to talk wrestling here. And this, this just is uh, just to set the scene. You get a text from, from Kratz. He's out in Nebraska. And it's just like, boy. Do I have a podcast travel story for you? And at that point, I don't know about you, Fonseca. At that point, I'm like, just don't, you know, don't give us too many details because as much as I love a good travel nightmare story and we, I missed it during the pandemic, you know, I want to hear it. I want to hear it firsthand. So, Crouch, you, you decide. Do you want to start with the wrestling itself, how the team did, and then tell us what happened in travel? Or do you want to do reverse? I'm going to let you take over here. Go for it. All right, we'll start with the wrestling Strange weekend, first on a, on a big picture national scale. College wrestling has a big problem. Everyone has kind of realized that they can game the system and they can medically forfeit bouts to kind of focus everything on a national tournament. So you had a Big Ten final round. You know, the way they do it is you know, three mats across the floor, you know, left to right on your TV screen. TV, BTN, big production. You know, credit to BTN, they're making an effort to try to make Big Ten wrestling feel like a big deal, which, of course, they should because it is. You know, this is arguably the toughest tournament in the world, the Big Ten championships. Forty, I think it was like 40-something percent of the matches didn't happen, medical forfeits. Wait, uh, so are you talking about third and fourth place matches or are you talking about the actual championship matches? Well, two championship matches did not happen. Are you kidding me? Why not? No, I'm not. <laughs> Why would they not want to wrestle for the well, Big Ten so championship? The 141 uh, final didn't happen because Iowa's Jaden Earman like, is legitimately hurt. Okay, all right. Sebastian Rivera from Rutgers, we'll get to it in a second, also has legitimate injury issues. Okay, all right. At heavyweight, Iowa basically was just like, we don't feel like throwing Tony Cassiope out there to face Olympic gold medalist Gable Stevenson. You know, we just don't feel like taking that ass kicking. So, okay. you know, which, and like, here's the thing. When the Iowa Hawkeyes are like gaming the system, you got a problem. Isn't that yeah. Iowa heavyweight eventually going to have to face him, though? Eventually, to... yes. But the point yeah, is that yeah, when okay. Iowa will wrestle yeah, anyone, anywhere, anytime, yeah. like when, when Dan Gable's program is like, yeah, no, we're just going to take the day off. Gee, that, it doesn't seem like a wrestling thing either. I thought wrestling. No, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's becoming it's, it's, the spirit of the sport. You know, you know, guys, oh, I beat this guy in the regular season. Why would I wrestle him now and potentially lose my head-to-head for his national seating? So it's a problem. They got to do something. You know, you can't just say, oh, you can't medically forfeit because guys could actually legitimately be hurt and get better in two weeks to be at the national tournament. They've got to figure something out. So anyway, uh, Rutgers had a okay weekend. They got seven guys to nationals, which is the best they've had since 2017. Uh, Connor O'Neill has had a tough season since he replaced Jackson Turley in the lineup at 174. He kind of, you know, he he got – he made his own luck. He won his first wrestle back bout. The opponent that was next for him that would have been heavily favored over him had to injury default out of the tournament. So Connor O'Neill gets gift wrapped a bid to the national tournament. So, you know, we'll see what he can do with that. Um, Smash Rivera obviously wrestled twice, qualified. He had 
this is amazing. Guy had meniscus surgery on Monday, February 21st. He was on the mat a week later, 12 days, less than two weeks later, he's in the Big Ten tournament dominating two opponents to nationally qualify before he shut it down understandably so to protect the knee because he's trying to win a national title. He should be able to get the three seed when the bracket comes out Wednesday. So all in all, Rutgers got seven guys in nationals. I I still think they have a chance to have three or four All-Americans. It's all about what they do at the national tournament now. Now to what people are really here for, the travel story. (laughs) The travel story. So first I'll say Uh, this thing. It's it's really hard to get anywhere in Nebraska from the East Coast. They're just – there's no what happened. There was a direct flight to Omaha when, when we first went there, right? So the only direct flights I found to Omaha were like LaGuardia, and they were like, "Oh, forget that." Yeah, like the flight left at like six a.m. Like you had like it left at like eight p.m. New York time to get out there, and it left at like six a.m. Omaha time to come back. I assume it's basically just a shuttle for Berkshire Hathaway big wigs to go to New York for meetings and then get home. Anyway, so it's a long travel day. I think fly to Denver, then connect from Denver to Lincoln. So I get to Lincoln around like, I don't know, six, six o'clock local time. Get to the hotel, walk in, get my get my hotel key, go up to the hotel room, open the door. Room is like completely trashed. Garbage on the floor, bed's not made, uh, stuff's thrown all over the place. So I trudge down, really slow elevator. I was on the top floor. I get down. Hey, you know, I don't think housekeeping got to the room, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so sorry. Here's your next room. I said, okay, great. Go on up. I open the door and the door just feels weird. And I I go to, but the room's made, whatever. And then like, I hear this like weird, like foot. I turn around. The the door is broken. Like the door won't shut. The door is broken? Yeah. The door is broken. And I look in like, and it's almost like there's like concrete or it was like shot. Like it was weird. So I go back downstairs Oh, and I'm like, all right, the doors, the door won't shut. Really? I'm like, yes, really. Like, tell your maintenance guy to go look at the door. Give me another room. Third room's a charm. I get in, I charge up my phones, crush it up. All right, I'm going to go to dinner. So when I was driving in, and this is like a like airport hotel area. There's like six hotels there. Yeah. There was like a sports bar. So okay. I asked at the front desk, wait, hey, uh, within walking distance, I said, hey, is that sports bar good? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's a great place to go. I said, awesome. I walked down there. This place is abandoned. Like, it's not like, oh, like they closed <laughs> last week. It's like they haven't been open in years. Oh, and I'm like, okay. The only other place, it's like late. It's like 8 o'clock now. The only other place to eat in this gigantic hotel area is McDonald's. I'm like, it's 8 o'clock. I'm tired. Like, whatever. Who cares? I, so I walk, go to walk to the McDonald's. I get there. Walking to McDonald's. Oh, boy. I get there. Side on the door. No dining room after 7 p.m. Drive through only. I have no car. <laughs> and I know, like, you can't just walk through the drive through line. Like, that's a no-no. And I look over to my left. Right, excuse me. See, uh, is there anything else, like, across the street? There's a pizza place inside, like, a like a some, like, low-rate motel. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting pizza from a low-rate motel. And I'm also not getting pizza in Omaha, Nebraska. Nope, that's a Nebraska. mistake, Sergeant, I made. Sorry, yeah, exactly. That. I know that. Yep. Can't do that. I it's a podcast no-no. The only other establishment of business that's open and, and within walking distance is, to keep it, you know, podcast-friendly, is, like, a large adult store. <laughs> Why? Wait, do they do they have a buffet at the large adult store? I don't think so. They had right. windows, which I frankly didn't know was legal for an establishment like that to have windows. But what was in the windows in Nebraska? Uh, you know, it just, it just did some. Uh, I would say some outfits. You know, and okay. they had a giant. And like, you know how like the, the hotels like over the interstate while like the big tall signs. Well, the the adult store, which is more like an adult warehouse, had the tallest and biggest sign of them all just to kind of get you an idea of what the priorities are yeah. in that little corner of the world that's fascinating and I know. In the heartland no the heartland I, 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 wow. I know so long story long i after half an hour shopping no <laughs> you got a you got, got a wedding coming up here i mean oh, you know. man all right sorry i right. uh i <clears throat> sent a text message to my lovely fiance that i never thought i would send in my life hey I'm in the Uber right now going to Applebee's. 
because That's, that is a fitting end. Yeah. Because I was at that point, I was like, "All right, this is the closest place. Like, yeah. I don't want to go to some place where I get food. Like, I'm willing to risk food poisoning. Like, if I can walk to the place, but I'm not going to take an Uber to a local place where I can get food poisoning." So, well, I went to Applebee's and then I Ubered back during fantastic. a torrential downpour. Um, that is so a fantastic like, you know, story. Yeah, and this, you know, it was, it was okay weekend. You know, uh, Lincoln has a nice little downtown area. I think the arena was a little bit too big. It felt a little bit kind of spaced out to hold the event. I still think the Big Ten should just put the wrestling tournament in Minneapolis every year. It's a perfect city to have it, perfect venue to have it. Don't move it around, but that's my travel story. So and the only thing better, Fonseca, if this if this story if the torrential downpour happened as Cratch is standing outside the McDonald's, and at that point, the only way to get out of the torrential downpour would be go to the adult warehouse. That would have been that truly would have been the that I wonder how the steak would taste in that place. Good. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Uh, all right, good stuff. Uh, aren't you looking forward to fun? Time? You'll be on the road in these wonderful scenarios, traveling to places like uh, Omaha on the road. Not Omaha next year, unfortunately, but you know that, that, it's going to be good. You get to see these wonderful East, locales. East I always dreamt of being in Iowa City. East so. Lansing. Did we ever, that's right. There you go. Uh, all right, good stuff, Cratch. What else do we got? Anything else to wrap up with? What uh, What do we miss? Baseball and softball, both red oh, hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Women's lacrosse, red hot. Salad days at Rutgers. Really is. Yes. So, uh, Pat Hobbs had one of those tweets with 432 exclamation points and all, all that's going on. Track, apparently, as well. I, I learned from Hasim Phillips' Twitter account that they had, had, a good, they had a couple of good record-sitting performances. So, it's, uh, there's a lot of good things happening at Piscataway right now. Um, but number one story, obviously, in Indianapolis, we'll be out there. Fonseca and I leaving on Thursday. Had to push back our flights. That's that's how that's how you know things are good when you're postponing flights uh, at basketball season. Uh, looking forward to it. We will have the entire uh, entire recap of the Big Ten tournament early next week, and hopefully what we expect after Selection Sunday at NCAA Tournament Preview as well. Thanks for listening. It's been a fun show, and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com insider.